0: Hey Branches, it is Saturday, March 2nd, and we are going to tackle the rest of chapter 7 of Mark in this biography of Jesus. And so we're going to hear a story that, again, as I have done for a few of these episodes, kind of show my cards in the beginning, that I don't uh, love Jesus's vibe in the story, especially one thing that he says to this woman he encounters in this section of Scripture. And I think we it gives us a, a good opportunity, a kind of door into the question about the gospel for the world, the gospel for Jew and Gentile, and maybe is Jesus doing a kind of tricky language game here? Or does he say something kind of off color and unhelpful? Or is it something really that Mark is recording that is not reflective exactly of Jesus's ministry? I think all those possibilities are on the table as we read the rest of chapter 7 of Mark today. We're glad you're listening. Even if you don't really uh, capture this sort of disagreement with Jesus or conflict with Jesus, it's a helpful text to know because it's sometimes used, and I'd say even abused, um, in Christian circles and churches today. So, wherever you are listening today, glad you're here for this tough bit of text from Mark's Gospel. We're starting in verse 24 of chapter 7. It says this From there, he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there, yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home and found the child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went went by way of Sidon toward the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, put his fingers into his ears, and spat and touched his tongue. Then, looking up to heaven, he signed and said to him, Ephaphtha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Let's just tackle the hard bit. First, Jesus calls this Gentile woman a dog and by effect calls all Gentiles dogs. But it's weird because we've actually seen some other hints if you've listened to the previous episodes and read through Mark or read any of the other New Testament that God's plan from the beginning, even hinted at in the Old Testament, was to save the entire world through this family, Israel, through this small, insignificant people. And that to call them dogs is to discount really their value that is innate in the sharing of this good news. But this woman comes and says, hey, my daughter has an unclean spirit. I mean, think side by side, this and Jairus, this important synagogue leader, and he's going to go heal his daughter here his response is not, okay, I'll go with you. It's, I mean, why would I give food to dogs? You just give food to children. I think the key in this story, I don't think Jesus was lying, maybe not even doing like a sly test, but he's kind of preempting her response, showing her faith already, coming to him, bowing before him, asking for this healing. Her answer is, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She's like, I'll take whatever you got I'll take the smallest offering you can give I'll take the crumbs from the other healings that you've done and he says um, for saying that for this response you've given to my kind of gross thing that I've just said you may go the demon has left your daughter he's done it from afar he's healed her he's delivered the the daughter. Um, that she goes to see that the, the, the demon has gone from her. Jesus, again, responds to people with Mark's version, Mark's understanding of faith. She's like last-ditch effort, last little bit of her kind of uh, looking for help, last piece of energy maybe, last resort in Jesus, and comes to maybe get a response she didn't expect and maybe a response that he didn't quite expect. I, I can't give you a clear answer on this text. Really, anytime I've read it and had conversations about it in seminary with other pastors, heard, heard sermons about it that just straight up say Jesus was wrong here, which is not something I'm prepared to say, but I appreciate their candor and, and openness about where they're at. Um, it's a difficult one. And maybe in hearing Jesus say this to this woman, you were kind of made uneasy. I think another piece of this that's helpful is uh, a piece of understanding how we read the Bible that it's okay and actually probably a good thing, for you to read the Bible and be made deeply uncomfortable by it. To read sayings of Jesus and find yourself, I don't know, shrugging your shoulders, rolling your eyes, cringing even, because you're not sure you can get on board. I think it'd be a big, big issue if you were to read everything Jesus said and nod along and be like, look, he's just like me. He thinks everything that I, I think. He says everything before I can even get it out of my own mouth, uh, that we're confronted by some of Jesus' sayings I think is helpful. Nonetheless, this one's tough and still one that I wrestle with today. Did Jesus say the right thing? Then we get another, uh, image of healing. He sticks his fingers in this guy's ears. Um, And he kind of has magical spit. This is apparently a kind of common first century understanding that like people could be healed by saliva. It had some sort of healing properties, especially from holy men like Jesus or John the Baptist. There's actually this idea in New Testament scholarship that I just, again, (laughs) will show my cards. I'm not really warm to. Don't think it's actually that helpful. Don't think it's uh, actually a good standard, but there's this quest just so you know, for the historical Jesus. People saying, like, I read the Gospels, Mark included, and some of the stuff we know is just not real, and some of it we know is probably a semi-true capture of Jesus, and some of it is just, like, really true, this was an eyewitness account, whatever. And they come up with these totally arbitrary rules to kind of categorize these things about what's real Jesus, what's made up Jesus, and they can't take it all together. They kind of got to atomize it, split it apart a little bit. One of these arbitrary rules they've come up with is to say if there's an embarrassing story, that one's probably true. Because who would record and keep an embarrassing story of their Savior and Messiah? This and some other stories in Mark, and we'll get to another one later, where um, it seems that Jesus' healing effort has failed or not quite gone well. Uh, Some New Testament scholars say this is actually a real thing because it's kind of embarrassing. I don't know. I don't know what you think about that, but it's something that I kind of was digging into this week and reading these uh, stories of healing, especially in Mark, they're all a little bit different. But there's kind of two pieces of discipleship truth for us today, that we should, one, be confronted by the words of Jesus. Maybe this one isn't one that we love or have totally figured out, but that should invite us to lean in a little more. Maybe it's something that we should dig deeper into or be kind of wrestled with in some way. Second, there are some embarrassing things in the New Testament. That's not to say we should be embarrassed of them. We shouldn't be embarrassed of the Gospel of Mark. But they kind of show the nitty-gritty underside of Jesus' ministry. It wasn't all glowy, showy transfiguration. It wasn't all voices from heaven saying, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. Some of it was spit and dirt, ears plugged, Uh, mud on the eyes, kind of dirty healing. And I think both of those stories show us something that uh, confront us in our kind of modern expectation of the way the world should be. Jesus shakes things up, and the people that recorded stories about him recorded grit and all who Jesus was. Uh, that's my challenge this week for me is to think about, you know, there are some parts of Jesus I can readily accept, other parts I'm still trying to learn to accept. Let's learn to try to embrace and grow with Jesus as he is, not how we want him to be. Thanks for listening.